Welcome to Leveraging Leadership, where we unpack the art of business leadership. I'm your host, Emily Sander, Chief of Staff turned Executive Leadership Coach. In this series, we dive into the role of Chief of Staff, exploring how it can be a game changer and pivotal player on your leadership team. You'll get a backstage pass and learn about the different aspects of the role and what it takes to excel in it. We'll hear from some incredible guests who have firsthand experience serving as Chief of Staff or collaborating with one on their team. And don't forget, the Chief of Staff isn't just a title of person, it represents a leadership philosophy. Leveraging leadership is all about finding your points of greatest influence and leveraging them to better serve those around you. Welcome back. Today's guest is Maggie Olson. She is a former chief of staff at T-Mobile and currently the owner and founder of Nova Chief of Staff, which we will hear about in a little bit. But welcome, Maggie. Thanks for being on. Thank you for having me. I'm super happy to be here. Awesome. So first of all, we have a lot in common. So we're both from Seattle. Um, You worked at Starbucks. I drink Starbucks things. You worked at Nordstrom on the buy planning vendor management side. I buy things from Nordstrom. Um, So we both went to the same school, I think. So we both went to the UW. Yes, yes. And we could probably go on because now we're going to talk about chief of staff work Mm -hmm. and coaching and consulting and all the things. So I love that. And we have the same on air sign. That's true. Do you have yours? I have mine back there. I do, but it's out of camera. Okay. But we (laughs) both have that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we've got a lot of similarities going on. Um, I was reading through uh, Nordstrom's, by the way. So I shop at Nordstrom's and this is a total, total sidebar, but I'm just going to say it. Nordstrom personal shopper. Get a Nordstrom personal shopper. Yes. Absolutely. (laughs) Like such a treasure, such a treasure. Especially if you're a dude and you don't know what you're doing and you're trying yes. to buy something for like your wife or your girlfriend, get a personal shopper. Yeah. I'm just telling you. Or if you. you just don't enjoy it, it's like yeah. perfect. You don't enjoy it, but you want to look decent, get a couple mm-hmm. good things, like let them help you. Yeah. Let people help you. <laughs> <laughs> let people help you. Ask yeah. for help in the right places. Yes. Anyway, that's the PSA announcement for this episode. Anyway, so so tell us a little bit about what you what type of chief of staff you were at T-Mobile. So I think it was for the president of business T-Mobile or yeah. how did that yep. work? Yes. So I found myself in my first chief of staff role to the president of um, the B2B organization. So for T-Mobile for business. And he'd never had a chief of staff before. Um, I was tasked to really figure out how to drive his business forward and get his back office organized and business planning and filling gaps within you know employee culture and feedback and events, communications, all the things. Um, but I was really very privileged to also be able to build um, a team, a chief of staff team that worked with me to support um, his needs in the back office. So from gosh, business planning and kind of engagement recommendations and preparation, a lot of tracking and um, kind of strategic work there to events and um, employee programs. We had a full team of about seven or eight of us after, I guess, nine, 10 months that I was in the role. I developed kind of what do these roles look like? How do they work together? Um, What do we do for the leader? And ended up with a very solid chief of staff team, which again, that's a privilege. I I loved give, being given the autonomy to um, really kind of figure out what the needs were and hire a team um, and run it. Okay. So when you say chief of staff team, were those the positions you just mentioned or were, did you have like a, a bunch of chief of staff cohorts under you or how did that work? 
it was the positions I just mentioned. So basically, okay. um, this leader ran about a $14 billion business and 5,000 employees and um, needed a lot of support. So I was able to step in and fill some holes quickly with like, you know, business planning and some business process and efficiency gains and prioritization and all of those things. But then it came down to like, okay, we have an entire role that we need to dedicate to um, executive engagements, for example, or business planning from the sense of like, who's attending these seven meetings a week? And how are we actioning follow-ups? And how are we developing new processes and you know strategies to do more and better in business planning world? And then uh, we had it look so she had managers who helped with um, a lot of the employee functions because we were kind of filling a big gap there where we have an internal, we had an internal, um, obviously like an HR function in the business in at T-Mobile, wonderful HR community. Um, but when it came down to our specific business unit, there were just some extra things we wanted to do. How do we kick off an employee newsletter? How do we get a lot tighter around employee culture and feedback and giving people what they're asking for and learning more about what they're asking for and actually having a team to do that. So as you know, a lot of times chiefs of staff step in and fill gaps, especially mm -hmm. if they're well-suited for them. Um, and I've spent my career in um, employee and customer experience, essentially. I love that kind of work. Um, so kind of those listening programs and figuring out how to serve your people in new and different ways was attractive for me to help with. And there were people on my team that we then kind of designed their roles to to go out and do those things. That sounds amazing. And it sounds like your principal gave you a lot of leeway to go identify these gaps and then come up with solutions or find the right people to help with those. So um, yeah, that he did a amazing. good job of of like listening to recommendations. So I always, um, you know, coach others now on like, if you are given a task or you think you're bringing something back to a leader, like first, what is your recommendation for that? How do you build the recommendation? And then maybe you have a few options where if they don't love your recommendation, that's okay. Here's a few other options. But um, I was just, you know, recommendation after recommendation as I'm snapping my fingers. Um, like, hey, I think we need this role to do X, Y, and Z. We will be better because of these reasons for this other role, you know? So that was a lot of the work that we did early on to build up the back office. And then can you talk to me a little bit about how T-Mobile is set up? So you're in one group and then were there presidents and chiefs of staff of, of other groups that you worked with as well? Yeah, I think in general, um, the role was fairly new um, several years ago when I started in it. So I started in that role in um, late 2020. Um, and basically... <laughs> nothing was happening in 2020. Nothing was happening. <laughs> yep. And um, let's see. So it was the first time I'd even heard about the role. So I think a lot of us chiefs of staff feel like we're alone on islands. Um, and we are. <laughs> but in a big company where there are a few other chiefs of staff, like there's some resources. So yeah, that's cool. we just acquired Sprint. We'd just gone through years of that process. Um, and at that point, I share this because at that point, there was a, a big executive team. I think we'd gone from maybe like a 12-person SLT to like 18-ish, somewhere in the 18-ish number. Um, 18 and, and a half. Yeah, right. And I, I believe that most of those leaders on the SLT had a chief of staff, um, whether it was called a chief, whether they were actually called right, a chief yep. of staff, or the title was different. That's a whole nother conversation. Um, but yeah, so most of SLT had a chief of staff. The CEO had a chief of staff and the titling wasn't necessarily like kind of 
approved downstream as much. So sometimes roles were referred to like as business planning manager or whatever it might be. So I always say like, just use your working title. If the director of HR is calling you a chief of staff, refer to yourself as the chief of staff, you know, where you need to. But um, so structure wise, there were other SLT members who had chiefs of staff and I relied on them. Um, As a new chief of staff, I had a lot of ideas. I came from a varied background that I think led me to enjoying and being good at the role. But um, when it came down to a term like, quote, business planning, that I'd never run into that term before. I'm like, hold on a minute. What in the world? Like, how do I, how do I manage within this function? Um, I pinged my friend, Kristen Gee, who was a chief of staff that I'd known and said, how are you, um, taking follow-ups and action items and next steps in meetings? What are you using? I mean, such a gracious, kind person. She's actually um, been a part of my Nova Chief of Staff certification course, interviews and speaker series. Um, And she'd say, oh, one sec, let me just send you a template. And her notes would be in there and I'd be able to kind of understand how her brain processes things. And I always like to say like, we should use each other's examples and not recreate the wheel if we can, but we should make them our own because our brains are all different. We're going to process things and systemize things differently. Um, but it was so helpful to have somebody to reach out to. So yes, SLT members, everybody had a chief of staff. Some SVPs might've had a chief of staff probably with a different working title. Um, but a lot of us were kind of first in role, which okay. is fun, but hard. Yes. It's, it's, it's awesome because no one's ever done it before and it sucks because no one's ever done it before. Right, um, right. <laughs> so you kind of mentioned over there, you, it sounds like you had some good resources and connections that kind of helped you um, with that transition. But just talk to us a little bit about you're at T-Mobile. You were in this amazing, you know, fast and furious chief of staff role. And then how did you get to creating Nova chief of staff? Great question. So I had finally found myself with some really great career alignment. Um, I have always been a pretty positive, upbeat, enthusiastic person. I see the sunny side of things, but I was a buyer at Nordstrom. I was a buy planner at Nordstrom. I was um, I was in food and beverage. I was in other retail worlds. I was in like out in the store environment at T-Mobile in a leadership development program and. When I finally moved into the chief of staff role, that was the first time I'd felt like I truly had found that career alignment um, for a few reasons. Like I'd been told from, like, I, and maybe you feel the same way, but I'd been told in formal like schooling environments and in my career that I needed to probably like specialize. Like, what are you going to do? Is it marketing? Is it mergers and acquisitions? No. Mm-hmm. Is it finance? Like, what is it? And that never really sat with me because I've always, I've managed big teams. I've been a a leader of people since my early 20s, which is a gift to have gotten that experience. Um, I've loved kind of learning new and different things and stepping into new and different businesses. I like the building. I liked the executing. Like I'm all over the board, right? And so I'm like, what is quite right for me? And the chief of staff role felt great because you're kind of like a mini entrepreneur. You're doing a lot of different things, especially when it's your first chief, when you are the first chief of staff. Um, so the only, the only piece that was missing is that I knew I wanted to work for myself through my MBA program. I'd kind of gotten that itch. Um, 
I'd been looking for white space, like constantly that blue ocean term you learn. And, um, I've, I've just felt like I'd probably been entrepreneurial, but a little bit more risk averse. I come from some traditional, like higher ed parents, <laughs> <laughs> PhD parents who are like, you know, what you have health insurance and 401ks. Yeah. 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 Um, So loved the job, but I knew I wanted to work for myself and I knew I wanted to work with like high growth startups. So I decided to switch gears and start doing fractional chief of staff consulting for high growth, mission-driven, for-profit startups. Okay. Yeah. And around the same time, I also was sitting there talking to my mom about how crazy I felt it was that there was no like hands-on practice kind of certification place where I could get practice doing chief of staff work or train or get my team trained that this just didn't exist. Um, And she said, well, let me connect you with someone I know at this university. And I started building the Nova chief of staff certification course. A year later, it was built. So that's kind of how it started. It all started with your mom, pretty much, is what I'm hearing. <laughs> you know, we go way back. <laughs> <laughs> she knows me well. Good yeah, job, mom. Yeah. Oh, yeah. love it. Awesome. So so you talked a little bit about the consulting piece that you do, and there's the certification. So, you know, who is Nova Chief of Staff for? Like, if, if someone's listening, they're like, eh, is that for me? Like, what is it? Who is it meant for? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that question. Um, you know, it's I made the certification course in like in mind for a number of different people. Um, first on the list are students. So MBA students or undergraduate students who are, who were sitting there in class, like I was thinking, what am I going to do? I'm being told to pick something, but I love it all. (laughs) I'm good at it all. I don't want to, um, I want to get the word out and I haven't really been doing this well yet. It's on the, the roadmap. I'd love to find some time to get out in front of more students, but I would love for students just like me, maybe like you, to have heard about the chief of staff role a lot earlier in their career. I didn't hear about it until about four, three years, four, three or four years after I graduated from my MBA. Could have been great to hear about it in undergrad. Um, so that's one of the reasons I have it priced pretty approachably because I want students to be able to fund it themselves. Um, I want students to get hands-on practice doing things that actually show up in a work environment. Um, you know, we kind of talk about like in school, is this actually what you do all day at work? And a lot of times the answer is <laughs> no. <laughs> um, you get a lot of great things from from school. Like I have a wonderful network and I built a lot of confidence in my MBA program and that's invaluable. Um, but truly like I built this course for, you know, one of the one of the groups of people are students. Um, another group is for executive assistants. We all have worked with incredible executive assistants who are those driven, high achieving, asking for more growth. God mindset. bless the EAs. Yes. Yes. You know them. You know the names of people that pop up when you talk about, you know, those types of folks. And um I remember hearing early in my career, like, oh, don't get stuck in a support role. And now that I'm here with this resource for there's a lot of ex- executive assistants in the course. Um, it just makes me so happy to help people understand that like, that's just silly. Like there's no reason that an executive assistant or anyone else is stuck in a role. Um, it's not always easy to change trajectories or to get a new job right now. The market's tough, but, um, executive assistants should absolutely feel like they have the resources, 
and a place to build confidence and knowledge and competence. Um, if it's for chief of staff work, like doing the things chiefs of staff do every day. Um, other people, the course are great for new and aspiring chiefs of staff. So like a couple years in the role, you're wanting, you're wanting some resources, you're wanting a validation check. Am I doing this right? Maybe you're kind of on an Island. Um, maybe you've built a bunch of stuff from scratch and you're like, gosh, I could really use some solid frameworks. And I don't know much about ghostwriting or communications because my chief of staff work is all over here in project management. Um, so for example, a lot of those, a, a wide variety of things are in the course. Um, and it's ideally like very industry agnostic. So just the core, like the basics of how do you prepare your leader? How are you, how do you become an excellent executive project manager? Um, and practicing doing things like writing briefs and practicing doing things like, um, throwing a complex offsite and tracking all the components of it and leading, leading a team, um, doing those things. So current, current and, um, you know, prospective chiefs of staff. And then those other roles that are kind of ancillary and close, um, project managers and program managers, and maybe consultants that are looking to get back into, um, a business and actually sink their teeth in and, you know, live with a brand versus consulting for six months or something like that. Consultants make great chiefs of staff. Hi, Emily here. I just wanted to take 10 seconds to highlight the power of one-on-one -on -one coaching at nextlevel.coach. Get the tools for success and leave each session feeling refreshed and refocused. Thank you. And is it for people who want to become a chief of staff or are interested in learning what a chief of staff is or both? Both. Yep. Okay. Absolutely both and existing. So new, new like one to two year existing chiefs of staff. Yeah. And what I usually say for people are like, but what about me? Like specifically, I like to share, like dive into the syllabus that we have 20 to 30 hands-on assignments that are scenario-based. If you think you can benefit from like half of those, then I would suggest enrolling in the course. But if you're like, oh no, 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 I feel great about all these. And this might be a waste of my time. That's, to that's totally okay too. I try to share as much as I can in the syllabus so that people can make that decision themselves. Yeah. And what are you able to share about if someone says, oh, that's interesting. Let me check it out. And they sign up. Like, is this, you mentioned the different modules and how they're the industry agnostic kind of transferable skills. Do they interact with you, you and your team? How does that, how does that work? Yeah. Good question. So the course is six modules. Um, it is, when is this podcast coming out? Uh, probably early 2024. Perfect. Yep. So um, six modules. It's self-paced. The price is $1,450, $1,450 per enrollment. You get um, lifetime access to the course. The course will continue to be refreshed and new speakers every couple weeks and things like that. Um, the first module is all about deepening your understanding of the role. So just like you said, you're like, I don't, how do I figure out what the role is? Is it even right for me? That first module dives into many components that we're really trying to like demystify the role because <laughs> it's complex, it's varied, it looks different depending on a lot of factors. Um, there are two touch points with me, the instructor, um, one at the beginning of the course in a, in a pretty small group where we kind of talk about your goals and why you're here. And then one at the end of the course after you graduate and we chat through like what's next, 10 minute, really just kind of 10 minute interactions. Um, and then after that first module that is all about deepening your understanding of the role, the course moves into 
five other modules that are focused on business planning, engagements, gap filling, executive project management, and hands-on practice with a ton of assignments that are scenario-based doing doing those things. What is the biggest gap that you see? Or, or, or another way to say that is, what's the most popular module you've seen? <laughs> um, okay. I would say it's a tie from the feedback we get. We get feedback after every module. People at first, sometimes they're like, wow, there's a lot of readings or there's a lot of stuff in this first module. And by the core, as the course moves on, we get so much feedback about how important that foundation of module one is in demystifying the chief of staff role. There's a few articles. You There's interviews with current chiefs of staff. There's an interview with a president who has a chief of staff getting his perspective. Um, there's some quizzes. There, It's basically like, let's set a really strong foundation and a strong base for you. Um, and we get so much feedback about how helpful that is. And then the second, like the tie, I would say, is the second module is when everybody gets like 25 templates. <laughs> and we all love a template. You know? <laughs> so, um, so that's a winner too. Sometimes it's easier to, to start with a draft and then edit it to be your own, like you were mentioning before. Um, so if the first if the first module was your most popular, can you just give us like a sneak peek or like your thoughts on, you know, how would you define a chief of staff? Everyone under the sun has a slightly different definition and they're all they're all right in their own way. So I'm wondering, how would you explain to someone who maybe has heard of the term or have heard of the role but aren't quite sure what it is? How would you describe that? Oh my gosh. And you hit the nail on the head. We talked for an hour about what a chief of staff is. In one sentence, let's see if I can say it, if I can get it out. In one sentence, I would describe the chief of staff as your principal's executionary thought partner. Ooh. Strategic executionary thought partner. Um, in a little bit more definition, I like to use kind of an analogy where your leader's eyes should be up. They should be looking forward the future of the business, business development, strategic planning, basically like how do we keep this business alive, making money and all the things. Um, however, we know that a lot of leaders are like heads down. I'm looking down as I say this, um, tracking you know executional items and follow-ups. And that's not what we want from a leader. We want eyes up looking forward. The chief of staff is somebody that can come in and really grasp the strategic lens, the looking forward, and also focus on looking down at executing the leader's initiatives and vision. And then to take it a step further, an EA is a lot more heads down in terms of kind of those um, complex but micro tasks of logistics, expense, and travel, much more logistical. Yeah. And all of, that's a great explanation. Thank you. And all of those are critical to they are. the success of the business. So you have to have each one of those pieces. And I, uh, my friend, uh, Mitch Gray, he was actually the first guest on this podcast, had a great saying, which is feet planted, eyes up. So it's like you need to be grounded and rooted where you are in reality or whatever going on. But you ha also have to keep your eyes up and keep your eyes on the big picture and perspective. Yes. So that reminded me of that as well. So yes. Um, and someone else has said, like, you know, you're able to see the forest and the trees, like that incredible ability to be able to look forward and like look at all your tasks in front of you all at once and that they all have to be moving forward and not everybody can do that. Yeah. You have to be able to go back and forth between that big picture thinking and strategic and like what's happening in 18 months to what is happening 
in the next hour in this next meeting and being able to get tactical with it. So, yeah. um, yes, very cool. And then if you were kind of explaining to an organization, let's say a leadership team who was thinking about bringing on this role or how do we utilize this role? There's so many different ways you can use a chief of staff. Um, and sometimes it depends on the stage of company you're at and the type of leadership team you have today and where you're trying to go as a team or a company. But if you are talking in that consulting role to um, some some business leadership about chief of staff, how would you explain the value of that or where they could use that? You know, I think one of the best ways to talk about it is like one of the only things like that you cannot buy, no matter how much money you have is time. And a chief of staff gives leaders more time back. You and I are both business owners. I can't quite factor in a chief of staff yet for my work, but I could sure use the time back. Um, There are a lot of, I would probably say most executives out there that are probably chasing some executional things and some follow-ups and getting in the weeds and researching something that really someone else can do with a strong chief of staff who is a thought partner and strategic and um, a proxy for you as a leader, you can step out of things and you get the gift of time back. So a chief of staff can offer that. Yeah, that's a great, a great advantage. And I think too, if you're a CEO, you want to be deliberate about keeping yourself in those high value activities. So your job is to stay in those high value activities that sometimes you're the only one who can do at a company. And so having a chief of staff to I've heard it described as like a sweeper or um, a Swiss army knife or all these different things you can send in and deploy into all these different areas of the business for you, um, I think can be a huge advantage. So Yeah. Well, another cool thing about a chief of staff um, is that we're pretty moldable and bendable and flexible. Like if our job is going to is going to flex based on not only our own personal strengths and opportunities, but our leaders' strengths and opportunities. Right. So if you're a leader that is just not very good at organization and follow-up, that's okay. A chief of staff can come in and, and do that. If you're a leader that just really isn't great at communications, like a chief of staff can pop in and go straight, maybe a little heavier. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are excellent at showing up f- with your team and you have tons of charisma and enthusiasm, but you don't really have the like, you don't want to sit down and plan the fun, like all hands in the event. You just kind of want to be told where to go. That's fine. A chief of staff can lean into some of that a little bit more, or maybe you love to plan that event, right? And you love to um, think about fun and new and different ways to engage your team. And um, you really do care about like sending a special letter out to your team. Great. Your chief of staff will focus on other things and let you spend time on the things that matter the most to you, to your brand, to your authenticity as a leader. Um, so it's a fun role in, in that sense, I think, both for both the CEO and the chief of staff. Definitely. Get complementary skill sets and you both win. Um, so yeah. a question I have is around how to hmm, build that trust. So it might be like finding that good match you have. So if you're a COS looking for a principal, making sure it's a good match and vice versa. And then once you're in the seat, okay, how do I really get to know this person? How do they think? How do we finish each, each other's sentences type of thing? I often have clients in this situation. And when I was chief of staff, I had I knew my principal before. So we had worked together at a previous company in different roles, but I, I knew him. He was a known quantity. I knew how he thought. I knew how we would work together. But for people who are like you said, maybe first in the role ever at that company 
it's they're like they don't know the principal before, so they're in a new job in a new role with a new boss. How what are some ways that would help establish that relationship and start building that trust? Yeah, um, so important. I think you can only find out so much through the interview process, but you should try. <laughs> <laughs> yes, try to ask questions, you know, to uncover the things that you want to know, to connect in different ways besides maybe just professionally. Um, and just see, like, we all connect with some people more than we do others. Totally normal. Um, see what you can do to learn, like, how does this connection feel? Um, because you guys will be spending a lot of time together. Yes, you will. <laughs> right. Um, but then when it comes into the job, like you can only learn so much in the interview. And sometimes like it's not going to be the person that you connect with the best ever. And that's okay. So it's like, okay, how do you serve them the best way that you can based on their needs? Um, one like practical thing that I really recommend is figuring out your touch points with them and working in some way or another to try not to have them missed. And mostly that's going to be like missed from the leader, not you as <laughs> the chief of staff. Um, you know, how do we kind of set this in stone and set a precedent that like, this is the one meeting that doesn't move, you know, hot tip, like bring in the EA help with this. Like this meeting is so important for your business that you meet, you know, every week. If that's, if that's the cadence, maybe it's a couple times a week in the morning for 10 or 15 minutes. Um, on top of that, virtually or in person is a whole nother layer. Mm -hmm. um, if you are virtual, trying to really get to know everybody on their team, their executive team and them virtually and embrace those moments of like kids walking in and seeing the kitchen in the background and like connect over those things. Um, there is a little bit of a gift in that virtual environment because you do get to see someone's home a little yep. bit, you know, little peek into their life. Yeah. A little peek. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, I think it's just, gosh, like so many other things. It's through strong communication. And maybe your leader isn't like a, a extreme like verbal communicator. Maybe it's um you've noticed through body language and you've noticed through the way they follow up on things that they prefer email updates or they prefer quick five minute, like, you know, in the hall pass bys. Mm -hmm. Or um, maybe they're really clear with you and they give they, oh, I'm I'm actually loving that we're meeting this like in this capacity and in this framework. So communication is super, super important. And then I think like, you know, the last thing I'll say is just test and learn, test and learn what works. Try a new process, try a new template, try a new like preparation document. Um, do they love it? Is it helping? Get feedback from the EA, from their other team members. Um, keep doing it if it's working and be okay with just not and moving on if it's not fast, you know, fail fast, move quickly. I love that. And it's, it's you're being proactive. And even if it doesn't work, okay, well, we know that it doesn't work. You move on. Yeah. You're not attached or married to like, this is the answer we must, we must do. Um, <laughs> so that's great. Yeah, yeah. And I think the only, I mean, I agree a hundred percent with everything you said. And for me, when, when I'm talking to chiefs of staff or CEOs in the interview process with the chief of staff is like this, this person is going to be stressed and you're going to have to deal with them. This person is going to um, be with you when no one else is seeing you um, and making sure that the chief of staff is ready to be in the chief of staff role and making sure the CEO is ready to have a chief of staff. Those are like the things that that I try to yeah. keep in mind in that interview process. But um, 
Excellent. Well, Maggie, we've covered a lot of ground and not a lot of ground at the same time. There's so much more we could talk about, about a whole bunch of different things. But I think you've given people a really good idea of what you bring to the table, your background, and what you like to help people with, and also Nova Chief of Staff. So if they want to know more about you or the certification process, where is the best place to go? Yeah, so you can absolutely check out NovaChiefOfStaff.com. Um, NovaChiefOfStaff.com slash syllabus. You can take a look at the syllabus, dive into it. And then, you know, I'd love to connect with you on LinkedIn, um, Maggie Olson-COS. Uh, that's definitely a good place to start. And myself, my team, we're really approachable. Send us a note, ask us what we think about, you know, your fit for something. We're happy to happy to provide feedback. Awesome. Thank you, Maggie. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. If you'd like some more information on the topic discussed in this episode, head over to nextlevel.coach and click on the resources page for some helpful free downloads.